This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 56-inch. On this week's episode, we interview comedian and Weird Al fan Mike Kaplan from America's Got Talent, Comedy Central, Netflix, and so much more. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave, the reviews are in from 55 Inch, and what can I say? Everyone loves Jimmy Z. <laughs> Everyone bleeping loves Jimmy bleeping Z. <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a bit of spicy language, as we mentioned last week, but it was all gloriously bleeped out by our intern, Frank. And I even talked to a few people. It sounds like Frank did not miss anything. I think he got it all covered. <laughs> well, that's great. We should also mention that we did put out an uncensored version over on our Patreon page. And that one, Frank did not bleep one single word in it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like spicy language and you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash 2000 inch and you can check that out. One thing that really was amazing is not only did all of our fans love Jimmy Z, you know, Steve Allen said, I really enjoyed this bleeping interview. Zeb said that was a lot of bleeping bleeps. Jimmy Z himself had something to say about the interview. I know that was so great. Jimmy said this was the most fun I've ever had doing an interview. And you could tell by listening to the interview how much fun we were having with Jimmy Z. <laughs> and you can only imagine how many times Jimmy Z has been interviewed over the years. I mean, he's worked with all of these top artists all over the world. And it's a great honor for us, Dave, to be the most fun he's ever had during an interview. Yeah, you got to imagine he's got a very prolific career. Rod Stewart, The Arrhythmics, Dr. Dre. I mean, these are like really high quality people. And this is the most fun he's ever had doing an interview. That is so awesome. Yeah, I had so much fun listening back to that interview and I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. And I just loved hearing his great harmonica solo he did for us. How cool is that? That was so awesome. He is so talented. I love that harmonica solo. I really hope it surfaces again on our podcast at yeah. some point. <laughs> now, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but last week I accidentally did a watch party in our Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast group. And I'd never done a watch party. I didn't really know what it was. And I figured it was just something I could play around with. But nope, it alerted everyone. And, and <laughs> listeners started coming in. They're asking me questions. So what you do is you, you put in like a video it has to be one that's on Facebook. So I was just playing around. I was like, oh, I wonder what videos we could potentially do in the future. And I found these 15-second Weird Al commercials from when he came to Proctor's. And I was like, oh, this would be kind of fun. So I, I scheduled those two just as a test. And then it went live. And then after 30 seconds, everyone's like, what's going on? There's nothing playing. <laughs> People are coming in. Like Susan McNabb came in. And Frank Sanchez is in there, you know, Vincent's in there, Zeb, Allison. Allison's like, I'm at a party. I'm ignoring my friends looking at this party. So I, I felt like a lot of pressure. So I'm like searching. I found like other Weird Al related videos and putting them up there. I was wondering what that was all about. I got a message and I'm like, what? Did I miss something? Did Frank forget to tell me he had a watch party scheduled for today? And I was supposed to be there. So 
Okay. Well, I'm glad that you were able to find some cool Weird Al content to yeah. entertain the people who did show up. It was fun. We had a really good time. We're all joking and talking about the videos. And I think you can actually go on there and watch it in real time and see like our comments and stuff. But I don't know why you would. But <laughs> I think we should actually plan one and we'll do it and we'll join there and, and we'll promote it and... I think it would be a lot more fun that way, but we still had fun. <laughs> it was a happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> so here's something that was not a happy accident. I was listening to the Dr. Demento show this past weekend, and I heard a very special song on there from you. Yes, yes. I was so thrilled. Dr. Demento played the first song, this new band I created with my friend Christian, the band's called Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulers. And Dr. <laughs> D, he played our song Petroleum Habit, which for those of you at home, it does have some spicy language in there. But he played it and it was it was awesome. It was so cool to hear myself on the Dr. Demento show. That's great because you know somebody else who started on the Dr. Demento show, a young Alfred Yankovic. So I expect in 40 years, there's going to be a Zeb and Steve's 2000 Inch Ethan Ullman podcast. I hope so. <laughs> there better be <laughs> now ethan also what was cool about this is not only did you get your first ever song on dr demento but dr demento gave our podcast a shout out after the song was finished playing yeah he said this is ethan from dave and ethan's weird out podcast he did not say 2000 inch but i think people won't confuse us with the other dave and ethan <laughs> weird out podcasts out there <laughs> no, the other 1,999 of them. I think we're okay. Now, I have submitted another song to Dr. Demento, so we'll have to see. Maybe in an upcoming show, he'll play that one as well. I'm looking forward to it. I will be listening to every single Dr. Demento episode <laughs> from here until the end of time to listen to that song. Or, I mean, I could just send it to you, Dave, but I think it's more fun this way. I agree. I want to hear it for the first time ever on Dr. Demento. <laughs> Now, an extra fun fact about Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulers. I set up a bunch of social media pages. You can check us out at Spatulers uh, anywhere, <laughs> you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out the logo. It was designed by the amazing, incredible Kelly Phillips. She did a really great job on that. So, yeah, thank you so much for hearing that, Dave. I'm so glad that the listeners of the Dr. Demento show got to hear my voice singing a song and they got to hear a plug for... Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And just to clarify, that is at Spatulers. That's S-P-A-T-U-L-E-R-S. <laughs> Do you have any idea where Spatulers comes from? Is it a reference to our 347 Spatula hotline? Close, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Spatula City? Spatular City? No, but that's a great idea. No, Spatular. That's how Mr. Krabs says Spatula in Spongebob. I love it. I love it. That makes it so much better. I love the band to begin with, but now I love it even more. <laughs> and despite the fact that it's called Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulars, it's just Christian and I. There is no one else. There are no Eligible Spatulars. <laughs> he and I are both in relationships. <laughs> Well, it's really nice of Dr. Demento to play that on his show. And what a great birthday gift for you. I mean, your birthday is coming up this Friday. So yeah. let me be the first to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you so much. Yeah, what a great surprise for my birthday week. 
because technically <laughs> it was Saturday and my birthday is Friday. So it's still within birthday week status there. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. That's so cool. And if any of our listeners want to wish Ethan a happy birthday, please do so. Give us a call 347 spatula and Frank will patch those messages right through to Ethan. That would be awesome. Yeah, I welcome any and all birthday wishes or death threats. <laughs> Hopefully more birthday wishes yeah, than death well, threats. Yeah. <laughs> So last Saturday, not only did Dr. Demento play the first song from Ethan Christian and the Eligible Spatulers, Couchella rebroadcast that whole show that they put on that included Weird Al. So we all had another chance to watch Weird Al do his songs and his pop-ins. It was really fun. I did take that opportunity to rewatch. Oh, good. I thought I was going to be the only one. I actually did tune in again to watch Al perform. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so good. And Ewan McGregor is in both of the songs with Al and a bunch of other people, including Wizard. Uh, It was great. (laughs) I really just want to see Al dressed in his spam outfit with the ice cream hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, last weekend over on Instagram, Al's wife, Suzanne, she's at Suzanne Yankovic photo. She posted this really cryptic picture of Al. (laughs) Now, all she said about it is top secret project in the works. And all you can see in the pictures, you can see the back of Al and four other people. And it looks like some kind of film crew. I have no idea what this could be. Do you have any idea what this is, Ethan? I have no clue. The second picture is just a drone in the air above some trees. So it has to be some sort of video or photo shoot. I really have no idea. I mean, I I know what I hope it is. I hope it's a video for a new song. I think that would be really cool. What's really interesting to me about this picture is that in the past when we've seen Al do videos, like for example, Couchella, he was set up inside, like in what appeared to be his home studio, probably down in his basement or something or in his spare room. And you could tell it was just like a fixed camera and Al probably set that up himself. But in this picture, it looks like they went all out. There was like at least four other people there. You know, So this seems like this is a bigger project than some of these, you know, at home things that he's been doing lately definitely yeah i mean you can see the guy holding the camera next to him and then in the bushes like in front of him in the hedges it looks like there's another little camera there and all sorts of stuff going on so who knows i mean maybe it could be as simple as al is just recording another cameo for someone else's youtube video or or something but come on dave we gotta hope that something big is coming out you know, my first thought, honestly, and this makes no sense, was that they were filming something for Galavan. <laughs> Wasn't that show canceled? <laughs> Which hasn't even been renewed as far as I know, but it just was like, like, oh, he's filming some for Galavant. So I, that's how out there I am. That's how desperate I am for some new Al content, something video, anything, anything on TV, anything on a video, anything that requires, you know, a film crew or a camera crew to be there is really exciting for me. All right. What would be the best possible thing that he's filming? Best case scenario. Well, best case scenario would be that he's filming a brand new music video for his brand new single which is about to drop tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah that would be great but i think best case scenario al is recording a special video and brand new song just for us that he hasn't told us about yet (laughs) that's the best case scenario in my book is al calls us up and says hey dave and ethan here's an exclusive song just for you guys no one else is allowed to listen to it that would be pretty cool but that's probably less likely than a music video. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's gotten so bored that he's actually starting to film UHF too. Oh, 
<laughs> well, what do you think about the drone? You think this is Al's personal drone, or do you think that's just part of the film crew in some way? That's a good question. I hadn't thought about it. I assumed it was part of the film crew, but we did see a while back that Al posted a video on his Instagram where he got, I think he got a drone for Christmas and he was playing around with it and he posted a few videos. So maybe it is his personal drone, but I immediately thought it was something having to do with the film crew that was there. But hey, that opens up more possibilities for what it could be. He could be documenting it for his own personal archives. Could be. Well, one thing you can be sure of, whether it is Al's drone or whether it is a drone from the film company, is that... It is an expensive piece of equipment that definitely needs to be insured. This week's episode brought to you in part by Don Falazzo Allstate Agency in Clifton Park, New York. If you drive like crazy or about to buy you a condo, Don Falazzo and his team can help you with crazy good auto, home, and renter's insurance. Plus, the Falazzo Agency can protect all of your equipment used for top secret projects. You may think your insurance is good enough for now, but don't wait one more minute. Find the Ferlazzo Allstate on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or call 518-278-3543 for a free quote today. The Ferlazzo Agency. We sell insurance, and that's all. You know, and Ethan, I checked. They do not sell drones. They only sell insurance. Oh, well, that's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited for the interview this week. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is a gentleman that you have performed with many times, done stand-up comedy shows with him. And not only that, but he is a huge, huge Weird Al fan. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this interview. Dave and I are so excited to welcome to the program, he's been on The Tonight Show, Conan, Late Show with David Letterman, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Late Late Show with James Corden. He has his own half-hour special on Comedy Central, a one-hour special on Netflix and Amazon. He was a finalist on Last Comic Standing. He's on America's Got Talent. His brand new album, AKA, debuted at number one on the iTunes Comedy Chart. And most importantly, he's a lifelong fan of Weird Al Yankovic. Please welcome to the program, Mike Kaplan. How's it going, Mike? It's so great to be here. Thank you for uh, putting all of my credits in ascending order of importance, of course, culminating in this podcast and my love for Weird Al. <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, Mike, I, I really don't know how long, but I believe we've known each other for about 10 years at this point. That sounds uh, unverifiable, and I accept. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> So, of course, just a little background. So, Mike, you used to be a regular guest on my college radio show, Alternative to Sleeping with Ethan Allman. And over the years, we've gotten to know each other and we've performed stand-up comedy together. And it's really great to have you on. And and I've always known that you were a Weird Al fan. So it's great to bring you into my new world, the new podcast. Very happy to be in this weird (laughs) world with you. (laughs) Well, I guess let's start at the beginning. When did you first find out about Weird Al? I mean, it it's one of those things that I I can't even really remember a time when I wasn't aware <laughs> of Weird Al cuz I I grew up in the 80s and I don't I don't know exactly when uh Weird Al like when his first album came out, but uh certainly like you know, in the age of Michael Jackson's 
uh, beat it and such. Yeah. Uh, which I assume it wasn't long thereafter. I think I think that one came first, right? Like Weird Al didn't precede uh, Michael. He wasn't. He, these these weren't psychic parodies, right? They were all after the fact, I believe. So. My understanding is, but yeah, it was like I was, you know, only cognizant of anything really starting in the early 80s. And so there, most of my life, I feel like I have been aware of Weird Al. And it was like, he's, he's sort of like, I mean, obviously he's a human being, but also <laughs> he's an institution that, you know, has existed. He's one of, I, I learned in a recent, I think, New York Times article, one of only four uh, musical acts that I'd heard of, or maybe it's five, it's four or five uh, acts that have like hit like either platinum or number one, you know, like reached the upper echelons, like had, maybe had a number one hit in the last four decades. Uh, right. Along with, I believe, uh, maybe Madonna and you too. And like, who cares? Who cares about the other ones? Like, <laughs> and, and he's, so he's always, he was like Mad Magazine to me. It was just like, I, I don't know when I learned about that either, but I just like always had access to it, to him. It was like, it's sort of like, you know, the way that if you, like, you know, the, there's this old joke about uh, somebody says to a fish, how's the water? And the fish is like, what's water? Right. And so <laughs> for a while, sincerely, if it was like I was a fish just swimming in weird owl water, like not even <laughs> not even aware of how how precious a gift it was, like until even I feel like. You know, like Gangsta's Paradise, uh, or Amish Paradise, obviously. Uh, it, it, once that one uh, preceded Gangsta's Paradise, when Coolio was like, "I think this Weird Al's got right. something here." And uh, <laughs> uh, so the idea that uh, so Amish Paradise, like that, I, when I, I was watching, I feel like it was on MTV. Like I was, you know, it was like he was just as you know, big, important, influential. Like his music was happening. It, it, he, it was part. He was part of culture it was just like part of you know the water that i swam in in my life and uh and then i i think i remember uh, my favorite i mean i i love it's so hard to pick but right uh the the song uh white and nerdy is like i mean <laughs> it's extra special in a way maybe because of just like how catch like how catchy that original song is like i could name none of the original lyrics but weird al's version of it like i mean transcends like uh, so many like exceeds i mean so many of his like i would there's so many of his parodies that i'd rather listen to than the original like i mean the originals are wonderful beautiful songs that he takes and he it's like you get both you get the bone you get the beauty of the original that he is so reverential in recreating like almost uh, if not almost, if not exactly perfectly or better, right. like in in the style <laughs> with the instrumentation, like with his voice, with costumes, with with everything that he puts into it. he It's like he takes so much meticulous care that he is like recreating something like obviously creation is something. Creation is a beautiful thing. But like recreation, like that's what makes recreation. You know, that's what uh, <laughs> 
it's it's so what he does it's like you know somebody it's, they're both they're both beautiful things but so i feel like white and nerdy really just like as a song itself like even if i didn't know the original even if like it it just oh god it's so catchy like every lyric like to read about his process in the new york times and how how many alternate yes. lines he considers yeah. how how much he he cares about the exact perfect wording of every single, which is what you hear about, like for, you know, the great literary authors like, you know, Dickens and like they, they, they take such meticulous care to make the, the art exactly the way that they see that it should be. And so I feel like that one time this might, this might seem a little bit uh, grandiose, but I, I think it's uh, an apt comparison. Uh, one time I asked a priest, uh, I was dating a Catholic woman in, in college, and I asked a priest, I was like, how can it be, I, as sort of, you know, uh, an argumentative, uh, debate-brained, questioning Jew, I was like, how can it be that if if Jesus made it so that everyone then could uh, go to heaven or what have you, uh, what, whatever the lack of understanding I had about how Jesus worked was, uh, I was like, how, how, what about all the people who lived before Jesus, before they had access to be saved by Jesus? Like, chronologically speaking, explain that, priest, Bible disproven right and the answer that the priest gave was that jesus's love and salvation uh was not uh based in time that it would go in all directions and that people who were righteous before would also uh be saved as it were and so i feel uh, at the time i was like "Mm, kind of a cop out i think but now (laughs) i i love it and it makes perfect sense to me uh, having grown, I, I'm like, oh, I, I think Jesus said some good things. Uh, not as many as Weird Al, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Weird Al has lived longer. Weird Al's career is longer than Jesus's life. Weird Al's literally, <laughs> if not bigger than Jesus, longer than Jesus. <laughs> and, and so the reason I bring up Jesus, though, is to to speak of the way that white and nerdy, like, infused it. it sort of exploded in my brain and experience moving like Jesus's love in all directions chronologically. Like it made me want to go back and, and like, look at me like, Oh, what, what? Like, you know, (laughs) I hadn't listened to every weird Al album, like uh, as meticulously as like, as I've listened to, to white and nerdy so many times. And because of that, I'm like, listen, listen to, Lots more Weird Al, lots more in all directions. And so, yeah, I do think it's not necessarily the perfect analogy because, like I said, I do believe that Weird Al is in some ways uh, long, longer, bigger, taller, more more than Jesus. I mean, it's more letters in Weird Al than Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus, like, they're, it's not a competition. They're both great. I'm a big, big fan, big fan of Weird Al's work, big fan of Jesus's work. They're doing they're doing basically the same, you know, the, the Lord's work or, or the words lore, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, yes, I would say that I was always aware of Weird Al, and then, you know, little by little, just songs kept coming out, and you're like, oh, yeah, this, oh, just, it sort of, like, got to the point where I was like, yep, just another, just assuming, just like that he was going, yep, there's another great one, there's another great one, like, that it didn't even make sense to, like, here's another brief analogy, my, uh, 
my mother and I, uh, we used to go to uh, a family members for Passover. Every every year we would go and they would, we, my mom and I, I'm vegan and my mom uh, is mostly vegetarian. And so the, the, the chef, the cook, the person whose home it is would always make us like special matzo ball soup and special vegetables that like we could eat. And they were delicious. Mm-hmm. And like she made them. And I've recently started cooking more myself now and like understand like, you know, it's not just like you cook once and you're like, oh, and that's it. Now I've cooked forever. Like you, it's, <laughs> it's work to do it every time. Like you have to take the same amount of, you know, as much meticulous care as you want with the ingredients and the process. But at the time, you know, I was like either a kid or a slightly younger adult or, you know, just dumb. And I remember <laughs> my mom would always say like, like, Judy, this is so delicious. And in my head, I was always like, yeah, of course it's delicious. Just it's always delicious. Like, why do you even why? Why are you even thanking her individually, specifically for this year's work that she put in? Didn't we didn't we thank her last year? You know, did, <laughs> haven't, haven't we thanked her enough? And so, you know, that is clearly to indicate uh, how like snot nosed and stupid I was. Uh, and similarly, I was like, like, of course weird al puts out good things yeah you just give weird al a song and he just puts out an amazing parody what's the big deal he's just a genius at being weird al who cares besides me and everyone of course you know so uh so that, that's what i would say and then it was so i mean just to get catch us up to current times with his art with my fandom of him uh that I, I saw, you know, when his last album came out, I believe, he, I think I saw an interview maybe from before it came out, and he's like, this is going to be the last album, because albums don't even make sense anymore, because for parodies, like, you got to be fast, because, like, everyone, a song comes out, and then a million people parody it. For me to wait a year to put out an album full of parodies, like, how can I expect to be original? So, I don't even know if the album is a thing anymore. And then he goes to number one for the first time, you're like, <laughs> like, the number one like comedy album to be number one on the billboard charts which maybe hadn't happened since you know like 50 years earlier i think stan freeberg or something whatever it was it was you know record-breaking ground-breaking just so and such a a delight to see it happen to a human being who i eventually was also uh grateful enough to meet and get to experience you know like from all the things you hear about him and see and hope that they're and they're all true that he's like the kindest person all the interactions that i've ever had with him in person and or online and uh oh and one one more specific to me and not specific to him uh, he doesn't. He doesn't know about this. But uh, here's here's some secret Weird Al information about me that only I have access to. Uh, that I texted you about before. But when I was uh, when I was thirteen, I had my bar mitzvah, and it, I up until that point, uh, I don't. I had never really bought music i i listened to uh, you know like the radio when it was on or my mom would play billy joel or john denver usually my dad sometimes played i remember garth brooks or eric clapton like those are the only real things i and they were both musicians so there was like classical music that played as well but uh i that was around when i first got my first uh a walkman and a disc man and like started getting albums and, but up until that point, like I got for my bar mitzvah a gift of Tower 
Records uh, gift certificates, like $50 to spend at Tower Records. And I was like, I don't even buy records. Like, what am I going to do with this? And I saw that Tower Video was also, you know, connected to Tower Records. And I was like, videos, I watch movies, I'll go get some movies. And like, legitimately, so many of the movies were like $88 for a VHS tape or $125. Like, it doesn't even make any sense to like I'm like what is that true like that's my memory but I found two videos that were $25 each and thank god uh they were the naked gun and UHF Weird Al's own (laughs) so those are the first two movies that I ever bought with my bar mitzvah gift certificates that thankfully I didn't have to get stupid music that I would come to love and music is my life and my religion. But at this point I was like, thank God that these, these movies are the exact right fit for my budget and for my, my sense of humor. Like what a hilarious movie. Also, I, I would go on as a comedian eventually to meet and work with and uh, become friends with Emo Phillips also in UHF. Right. And it's so, so wonderful. I've never met, I don't think I've met anyone who was in The Naked Gun and uh, O.J. Simpson is a murderer. So of the two movies <laughs> that I bought, like I met the actors, the stars of the right one and they are the nicest people who have never murdered anyone <laughs> as far as anyone knows. Let's throw in some allegedly's there. I'm pretty sure we're okay, but uh, you know, let, well, there's quotes around murderer, but yeah. Well, Mike, Weird Al has a cameo in Naked Gun. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's even more relevant. <laughs> you scooped me on my own scoop. <laughs> right near the beginning of the movie, he's coming off a plane, and there's a whole bunch of press set up to meet Weird Al coming off the plane. <laughs> oh, yes. Fantastic. Well, then I guess I, I retract what I said. I did meet one person who was in the naked gun but uh, but you know just a, a small part not not one of, he wasn't the star like he was in UHF anyway so uh i hope that answers your question of uh, everything I know about Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that's a lot to uh, unpack. But one thing that really stood out what you're saying, everything stood out. But I wanted to specifically ask you about your writing process because everything I know about you, every word that you say when you're on stage or, or in a special, it seems very meticulous. It, you know, you're, you're definitely an amazing linguist. What about Weird Al's process for writing White Nerdy as we got a glimpse of in the New York Times article? What about that applies to your writing process you know uh it here's a very specific answer to that question like i would say a way that i write that maybe he doesn't uh is that i do a lot of like thinking out riffing and creating on stage like i will sometimes go on stage without an idea of what i'm going to talk about if it's like you know a welcoming womb like comedy savvy (laughs) you know enjoyable like people who are up for that you know uh where i would say more often like like there's there's a spectrum of shows that i do where like if i'm taping a special or an album i probably by that point have planned almost 
to the word everything that I'm going to say, leaving room for some in-the-moment riffs or things that might happen because I'm now older and wiser and more experienced than I've ever been, and who knows what else I might (laughs) see in the moment that I didn't discover before. And so I guess with, with respect to that... Uh, compared to Weird Al's process where my my assumption and understanding is that he is mostly writing the songs in advance of performing them, in advance of recording them. Often that's, you know, I mean, you, you could improvise music. That's certainly a thing that happens. You could improvise lyrics, but it definitely seems like he's of the more in advance writing school which is where i started from as well like i'm a little more advanced than weird al right now but uh (laughs) the uh you know i've been there i've done that but now i do i do think that my process of creating like sort of starting on stage with ideas and then over the course of uh, different sets days weeks months years eventually you know maybe trying things differently saying things like sort of feeling how I want to say them from night to night, depending, you know, using also the audience uh, instrument as sort of uh, a feedback, not not to say like, oh, the audience likes this, so I'll do that, but to be like, I like saying this to this audience, I like saying this to this audience, what, what do I want the end result to be? So I feel like where Weird Al might look at a list of, you know, like 17 different options that could fit in one line. And I might then listen back to 17 different sets that I've done where I've said things slightly differently and be like, which is the one that will be the quote unquote end result, which is the one that will get, uh, you know, codified and, you know, (laughs) etched in the stone of a recording. Um, I I do. Here's the specific thing that this evokes for me is years i i only revisited this recently but for years i re- i could remember that there was a joke that i'd written like when i started out and and i knew that the word linoleum was part of the joke and it was the only part that i remembered and the reason that i remembered it was cuz i remembered that it didn't have to be linoleum and I like for some reason, like the punchline was linoleum, but it didn't have to be. And I was like, what a weird mystery. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing is, I eventually uh, looked back through my records. I have a, a file called All Jokes, which is some uh, it's close to a thousand pages now, I wow. think, from wow. over the past, you know, 18 ish years. And I found the joke and I, I was like, how could this be? And I'm like, oh, that's how it could be. If you if you'd like, I'll tell you the joke. Yes, please. Uh, but yes, so, please. again, just to be clear, like there the the reason that I think of it now is I didn't do the thing where I thought like, okay, it doesn't have to be linoleum. What's another word that it could be? Let me think about all the words that it could be and which one's the perfect one. Linoleum's the first one that I thought of. And there's kind of a, you know, in my head, there was a first thought, best thought. I'm like, I like linoleum. I like how it sounds. I think it works. Like maybe there's something else that could work, but I like, you know, there's, here's a a kind of joke that I wrote that's not this joke, but it's uh, like, should we go with our gut or should we go with our measured thoughts afterwards and like both seem valuable so with my measured thinking i've come to the decision that i should go with my gut and my gut says to go with measured thinking so uh the the here is approximately the joke where the punchline is linoleum and i've told you the punchline and i think it'll still be a surprising joke All right. um in 
in Boston uh, as a young adult uh, in college and uh, in my 20s uh, and maybe other places too. I believe there was a, a record store called uh, there was a record store called Newbury Comics. Yes. Uh, yes. And here's the thing is it's a record store. They had comic books, but they certainly had way more records. They had way more CDs, way more music than they had comics. And such a weird thing. Like if you went there being like, oh, I want to get some comics. They'd be like, well, yeah, we have some of those. But it's like it's in the name. Like what are what are you even doing? Why are why are you burying the lead? Like let, let us know what it's all about. Like there's another record store called Strawberries. I'm like, what if somebody just loves strawberries? And they go there and they're like, I want to buy some strawberries. Like what? Why, why did you call it this? Like do they just think that anyone who's going to come like I love strawberries so much I'll buy anything that a store called strawberries sells even if it's not strawberries <laughs> so that's why I'm going to open a business called the Blowjob Emporium and people are going to come in and be like wait a minute you don't sell blowjobs what do you have here I'm like linoleum <laughs> like certainly you're not going to sell a lot at the linoleum emporium but you know once people are in the door so uh the, the the question that you ask about, you know, uh, uh, by the time I am recording, by the time I am, you know, have uh, having an hour that has been honed and polished for several years, like the album that I that I just released was recorded in 2019 and it started being created like at certainly uh, as early as 2016, maybe I would say in some form even earlier. So there was at least three years of of creation and honing and you know trying things different ways and figuring out what what the hour was and what each segment of the hour was sort of on its own and then parts adding up to a whole uh yeah i would say that for me it, it's not a uh, a process where i sit down and look at everything in one space like weird almite it's but it is the same thing happening w over the course of time so i guess what i'm saying is as weird al is to space i am to time <laughs> <laughs> well mike that was a lot to take in what you said you did mention a couple things i want to get back to but one thing i do want to mention is your first exposure to uhf how did that influence your comedy seeing that movie uh i mean I guess the the answer to that question, the simplest answer is I don't know. Next question, but I <laughs> I guess I will say that uh, in a similar way to the you know Jesus like love force that goes in all directions, I I didn't know that I wanted to do comedy until until I actually was doing comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that like I started actually as a musician myself like I I wrote you know uh, you know I, I wrote original songs original funny songs you know no no parodies like I don't I don't know who does parodies but um I uh I I had songs that were funny and I had some songs that weren't funny uh and weren't supposed to be and probably so, all combinations I probably had some songs that weren't supposed to be funny that were and some that were supposed to be funny that weren't uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was in Boston, and as when I turned 21 and could get into bars and like venues that would hopefully let me play, one of the places that I found was a uh, the comedy studio in Harvard Square at the time, in the Boston area. And uh, Rick Jenkins, the owner, I called him, and he answered because uh, the the business was him. And I was like, "Can I perform my funny songs there?" And he said yes. And so 
for the first like couple years before I even would count that I say that I've been doing comedy since 2002 but in the couple years preceding that like I graduated from college in 2000 and so Mm -hmm. that was the first time that I ever performed on the comedy studio stage was actually I think the fall of 99 but then I performed there maybe like a four times probably in three years maybe maybe a certainly a single digit number of times in the three (laughs) years before I discovered and realized that I wanted to pursue comedy and not only my musical career where my musical career was taking off by doing an open mic every Tuesday and the comedy studio once every six months or so um and so I, I would play my songs that I thought were funny and I think I still I stand by like they they were they were good for what they were and uh, in between the songs and before and after sometimes I would do what I would now call riffing but at the time I called uh, talking until the audience stops laughing and then playing <laughs> another song <laughs> and uh, as such, uh, I I discovered that I like just saying I'm like, ooh, I could just say things. And so, if <laughs> sincerely, if people say, "How did you know that you wanted to do comedy?" I would say, or when did you know that you wanted to do comedy? I would say, I guess I knew it a little after I started doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like what I'm doing, and what I'm doing is comedy so i guess i want to do what i'm doing okay good that's what a what a great what a blessing to be able to want what you like i love the one i'm with and i'm with me i guess i love me doing this and this is all to say that you know i wasn't like getting into comedy wasn't premeditated like some people some friends of mine like watched like letterman and conan from childhood like i'd watched some like you know sitcoms and saturday night live and some late night shows but i never thought of it as a career or that there were i didn't know there were not famous comedians and that's how you got to become successful as you start by being nothing uh and so i when i watched any uh, any comedy that I watched, including UHF, was, I mean, thankfully, for the pure joy of it. Like, it's certainly, again, wh- I know you're not asking, like, so how did how did watching UHF meticulously lead <laughs> to the comedy that you would eventually do? I, I guess I'm answering in this way because, like, this is, this is all to support my main thesis of I don't know. Because uh, I, I suppose, like, the reason that I brought up the Jesus, uh, you know, uh, extra chronological love force again is that when I realized that I wanted to do comedy, I did then start, uh, like, taking in as much comedy as I could mindfully. Like, taking it in as a student of it as well as an enjoyer of it. And at that point, I would then maybe go back through my, you know, mental archives and possibly, you know, uh, when possible, the actual archives of movies that I'd loved and stand-up that I'd seen and sitcoms and such. Like, I remember going back and uh, thinking about Married with Children, which originally I wasn't allowed to watch because it was, you know, too adult or sexual or gross or my mom just didn't like it or whatever. And then I loved it and I was a teenager. And then I became an adult and I'm like, why do I love this? That's stupid. <laughs> and then I became a more mature adult and I'm like, no, it's funny. You were, you were stupid. <laughs> Every version of myself from before was stupid. And so, but similarly, I guess... Uh, I think that UHF like just sort of 
and weird like Weird Al, like all of Weird Al's stuff, like he is a specific, you know, like non-apologetic flavor, like a, a specific, you know, like a cool because he's not trying to be cool like you know clearly like there's so many words that you could say like he's dorky and you know self-effacing and like you know the this sort of almost i don't know not vaudevillian i don't even know like he's this (laughs) this master performer at being exactly who he is and exactly who he wants to be and who he wants to present himself as in in a moment and it's just it's so like he's so much himself that it doesn't even you know he he fits he's part of the world like i was saying before it's so to even be like how did how did weird al affect me how did uhf affect me and my sense of humor or my comedy is like asking you know, like how did oxygen affect you how did <laughs> how did food and nutrition work with your system like how did how did water work for you mr or mrs or mixter fish you know like it's just like oh this is just the thing like i don't even understand the question at all so uh great question i don't understand it (laughs) okay so hopefully this next question will have a better answer than i don't know but can you take us back to the first time that you got to actually meet weird al sure i do i think the first time that i remember and actually let's see i think i'm we might have been like at similar like you know at comedy events together like so i might have met him at like for example the comedy bang bang or comedy death ray whatever it was called at the time there was a live show that would eventually you know become comedy bang bang and the live show had like a grand finale they had a you know a big theater show and i was backstage with like so many amazing like comedians and show business folks and it certainly i i have a vague memory that he and I were potentially both there. Uh, obviously, he would go on to, uh, you know, be a part of the TV show of it, like as the, you know, the house band or co-host. And uh, right. but I don't, I don't remember any specific. Like we might have, we might have met, we might have shaken hands, we might have been friendly to one another. But like I don't have specific memories of that. I the earliest and maybe really only memory that I have of meeting him in person uh other than perhaps in passing that time or other times is when we both were guests on conan uh i forget what year but some at least you know somewhere between three and seven years ago i guess yeah it was back in 2016 yeah great uh so yeah 2016 uh, I think before that, we had both been, like, in a vegan comedian magazine spread together. <laughs> uh, though the shoot for that, uh, if there was a shoot, I think I might have just sent them a headshot. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, we it was not that we all gathered together. Uh, it was, well, I think I, I might have been on the next page from him, so it was nice to be, nice to be cozied up uh, to, <laughs> to good old Weird Al uh, in that, in the magazine. But, uh, yeah, so that was another another joy to be a part of that uh, with, with Weird Al, with our mutual friend, you and I, Zach Sherwin, you uh-huh. know, and these vegans of comedy. Uh, but 
in person, uh, the the most memorable experience was he was, you know, uh, sitting on the couch talking to Conan on the show, and I was doing stand-up at the end of the show, and so we were each in our dressing room area, and there's like a big sort of common green room area where, you know, which leads to the dressing rooms, and I remember he, uh, we, you know, we, we, we greeted each other, he was super warm and cordial and friendly, and he i forget what he, what the exact words were i'm very sorry but the <laughs> the vibe and the content of what he expressed was that he knew who i was he liked my comedy those were the things he knew who i was and he thought i was funny and i was like the but but your pop culture pop culture thinks that i am funny like you are like the this is like the shoe is on the other foot like the teacher has become the you know like the the hero art being like it was i mean it was such a a fantastic delight to even be you know to be in the same room to be on the show together to be like in a way like uh you know he is he is many more you know years at like of of quantity and uh, a different level of quality of uh of life experience of life experience and comedy <laughs> show business experience than i but one time when i was starting out in boston uh maybe a few years in i got to open for larry miller uh the comedian yeah. who you might recognize yep. him from i think being the pre- uh, principal or vice principal in uh, every movie i believe <laughs> and uh he's the bald principal if it's not wallace sean or the guy from ferris bueller it's larry miller <laughs> and larry miller uh you know i i was a few years into comedy and he was at least you know 20 to 30 years in comedy and he was the headliner, the national touring headliner, and I was opening because I was a, a local fellow. And in the green room, uh, he was so warm and welcoming. He was like, look at this. We Aren't we all so fortunate that we get to do this, that we're in this together? You, we're, we're brothers in comedy, in this fraternity of comedy. And at the time, I was like, I was like, are we doing the same thing? And he's like, we are. And I was like, wow, this is, I mean, at the time, I didn't really understand. But now, now that I'm, you know, 18 years into comedy and there are, I'm friends with some people who are, you know, decades older than me and some that are decades younger than me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like we're we're all humans. We're all uh, at a at a certain path of our own journey and collective human journey and comedian journey and, you know, art, show business, entertainment, creation journey. And so I felt that same kind of like warm, welcoming presence from Weird Al just, you know, being like he was, you know, emitting and exuding just like uh, I don't want to say brotherhood because that I feel like singles out a gender, you know, humanhood, you know, <laughs> like like all all human siblinghood. And uh, it's just, you know, like it couldn't have been. Uh, a more hoped-for, warm, Weird Al environment, nature-nurture experience. <laughs> I, I got to ask, when did Al start following you on Twitter? Because that is an amazing accomplishment. And I have to imagine, like, a national tragedy. You must remember where you were when you found out he was following you. Uh, <laughs> I, I certainly don't remember exactly where I was, but I can, of course, if it, if it works... 
uh, right now. Search while we're while we're on the line here. Uh, look up Weird Al and Twitter in my email and see what the first thing that comes up is because I'm sure. Uh, let's see. There's a bunch of stuff. This is probably can be edited out. Not very interesting. I'm scrolling. Obviously, who cares? Like making scrolling as entertaining as possible. Absolutely. It. N- thinking about it now, before I get there, my prediction would be that maybe it was around that time. Hold on. There it isn't. Nope, not there yet. Still, fun surprise. Pretty good. Pretty good for the old podcast audio. Absolutely. Who is it? Where is it? Is it a thing? Has it just always been? Has he always followed me? It, where and when and why and how and who and what and me and you and weird and L and I don't know. I'm looking and looking and looking, 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 look, 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 look. Oop, one more idea because I didn't find it. One more idea and then I'll give up. One more idea. This is a song I'm writing. If I were Weird L, I would look for alternate things to say, things to say. Absolutely. Okay, I'm looking at. Ah, here it is. Uh, in our uh, on February twenty second, twenty seventeen, I direct messaged Al and said, uh, "Thanks so much for the follow, Al. I love what you do. You are appreciated." And he said, "Ah, thanks, Mike. Good luck with the new album," because he apparently uh, knew that I had at that point a new album out. Wow. <laughs> nice which may have been uh if if we were on conan together in 2016 i guess that wasn't in support of the album that came out in 2017 so he extra uh he he went above and beyond being in the room where i was and hearing things he he learned about me more <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's uh it's such a i remember reading an interview with joe rogan years and years ago like he had been you know maybe he was a famous person uh not the podcast famous person that he is today but he you know he'd been on tv he'd been maybe the host of fear factor like he was a known quantity and i think he had a new album out and so he was interviewed and he talked about how sometimes people after a show would be like so excited to meet him that they'd be like potentially like literally shaking like when he was like standing next to them to take a photo mm-hmm. and his his uh takeaway his uh interpretation of that was so i think valuable his analysis was like he's like it's weird because he's like i'm a human being and they're a human being and yet because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in this person is like physiologically impacted by me uh or by their feelings about me or about the comedy that i've created or the thing that whatever it is Mm -hmm. like it's it's more than simply two human bodies in close proximity and so in another sense i mean like you know i think al weird al 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 uh or weird al or as i call him sometimes 
Al. Um, <laughs> he, I, I'm, I imagine, I don't want to put words in his mouth, uh, but if I did, I'm sure he can uh, come up with 17 alternatives that would be better. <laughs> uh, but I imagine that, I mean, he... From what, from how I've interacted with him, and from all the things that I've seen, like publicly and otherwise, uh, he would be also like uh, the first uh, or on the same page as uh, identifying as a human being. You know, just like he's a person, and so on one level, we are just now uh, two people who know who each other are. And our friend, and it's, and on another level, he is also this institution that is so meaningful and substantial and powerful and valuable and like uh, a a being that you know not not transcends, but is you know he has his life, and then his work also has its own life, and to be you know it it is a great honor and privilege to get to meet the kind, compassionate human being who creates this beautiful art that has touched so many lives, self-included. Very well said. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you. So I know that you put out an album with Micah Sherman. It's a music comedy album called Please Be Seated. I don't know Mm -hmm. that I was aware of other comedy music. Is that the only music you've actually put out that's available great question uh the answer is no there is more music that is available um so deep deep cut that you could have gotten if you were you know if you if you were ahead of the curve uh (laughs) i released an an album not on any kind of not in any way that you could like now find it unless you got it from my mom's basement where the extras <laughs> were up until recently stored. But uh, I, it, when I was living in Boston, uh, going to school, uh, there was a place called Club Passim, uh, and they had music shows every night. Uh, I, I think I think at one point they had 500 shows a year, like multiple shows, uh, many nights. Mm-hmm. And they had a, an open mic every Tuesday. And they would also, there was a guy there who would record the open mic. And so you could pay him, you know, some amount of money for your track that night. Mm-hmm. And so I recorded, I over the course of 12 weeks, 12 songs and like 12 like short chunks of jokes that it was like before I even considered that I was starting doing comedy. I was still pursuing music at the time, but I had written a few jokes and so I called that album Open Mic Night, Mike spelled the weird way that I do. Uh, I'm thinking, I thought about, you know, Weird Al goes by Weird Al. What about Weird Mike? Do you think about that? That would be good. Okay. So I'll just make Mike weird, and that'll that'll be like a little tip of the hat to, to old, old Weird Al. Also, do you, have you, do you know Paul F. Tompkins' joke about Weird Al where he calls him weird yes it's oh god it's so delightful <laughs> weird <laughs> keep it down weird I, i'm so sorry we'll do our best why doesn't he understand it's funny that i'm calling him weird or something so to speak uh, check out paul f tompkins so wonderful um so that album open mic night uh, exists only in my possession and the possession of anyone who got it when i thought it was a good idea to share it with people um <laughs> like i do i do love the songs that are on it i i'll be happy to send you some of them if you'd like but 
more than that and easier for you to acquire than that and I'm happy for people to which is good because they can in 2016 <laughs> I put out an album I, re I recorded and released an album called many many musics it is I, I would not say it's a comedy album though some of the songs are funny or quirky or you know there some of the songs are just like you know delightful little nuggets that I think most of the, some of the songs are less than a minute many of them are approximately a minute uh, but uh, there's like imagine my comedy imagine like the wordplay aspects of my comedy set to music without punchlines that is <laughs> what some of those songs are but uh, there's a, a music video that I made uh, for one of them a, a friend of mine Robert Potter animated it so there's an animated music video of the song that's called Music's Fun, and then in parentheses, to play. So uh, that's a fun, a fun song. Like they're all, they're all fun. It's definitely a fun album full of songs that are all at least fun, if not funny. So I definitely, I recommend checking out uh, that uh, as uh, as soon as possible, immediately. Get off, get off this call right now. Stop, stop listening to me talk about it, and start listening to me do it. What do you want to talk about it, or do you want to be it? Do you want to do it? Do you want to hear it? This is also enjoyable. But uh, yeah, so that that is uh, a fun. That that is my most recent musical output. Though also, I will say, and maybe you know this. I, on my own, and also many times with Zach Sherwin, have created podcast theme songs for uh, for myself and for other comedian uh, friends. So there's like maybe out there a dozen podcast theme songs wow. that I oh. uh, either wrote or co-wrote or participated in the writing of. <laughs> um, some some that are still going definitely. Uh, some some podcasts have since been discontinued, uh, but I loved like Shane Moss used to have uh, when he dated the comedian April Macy. They had a show called Double Date with Shane and April, and Zach and I made a really fun song for their theme. Uh, the uh, uh, Caitlin Durante's uh, and Jamie Loftus's podcast, The Bechdel Cast. Uh, I wrote the theme song for it, and my girlfriend Rini uh, sings the theme song. Cool. So. That's a fun one. And uh, yeah, so I've I've released a uh, we thought about sometimes maybe like, oh, maybe we'll release an album of all the theme songs. Like imagine a dozen theme songs. The album is uh, two minutes long. So, <laughs> uh, And I also I, I continue to for fun enjoyment, my own like uh, uh, self, uh, you know, catharsis uh and and you know like i don't know art i don't know if you know about like creating art for the sake of art not necessarily to be shared <laughs> but just like for just the creative the, the process of watering the seed of art within oneself i i write a lot of music i record i perform i record uh and so i do have i've actually been recently going back through my my records of like the songs that I've recorded over the last several years that I haven't released and thinking about maybe doing another release at some point just because it's 
it is while it's it's fun you know it's fun to make music for its own sake and it's also fun to share it for other people's sakes so <laughs> thank you for asking uh there is plenty of music that you can listen to and plenty that you can't <laughs> <laughs> well i hope to eventually hear all the stuff that you've recorded because everything sure. i have heard i've very much enjoyed music and otherwise thank you <laughs> I really appreciate it. So speaking of releasing things, your new album, AKA, recently came out this month, and it debuted at number one on the iTunes comedy chart. And that was ahead of someone that we have talked about many times. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> it was pretty delightful that I forget. Let me see if I remember exactly. I think there were five Jim Gaffigans, four John Mullaney's, three Weird Al's, two Patton Oswalt's, and a Richard Pryor in a pear tree that were all in the top the top 20, the top whatever it was, the top however many makes sense. And mine was at number one, defeating them all, being officially by, like this, this isn't my metric. This is iTunes's metric that I was officially the best at comedy for that day. So better than, I'm, it's not a competition. I'm not. I'm not eternally better than Weird Al, but a fit just officially by by those definite, sincere. This isn't a joke at all. True metric. Uh, yeah, that's what a what a delightful, what a wonderful segue. And it's honestly, until now, I didn't realize how. Uh, how intertwined, you know, Weird Al has been with my my comedy career and creativity. Like I knew, I mean, I knew that he was part of the, you know, all the elements of the world: earth, air, fire, water, and weird. But I didn't know <laughs> how specific uh, all, all the specifics that he was connected to me with uh, until you started asking these questions and, and <laughs> probing thoughtfully and kindly. But yes, I did. I did release on May 8th, 2020, my as of yet latest recorded hour of comedy, which is called AKA. I'm proud of it and happy with it and delighted for all, all people who have or may listen to it. <laughs> and I need to ask you about your podcast which features two things that, as far as I know, Weird Al enjoys very much, broccoli mm -hmm. and ice cream. <laughs> oh, yes. My podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream. Um, it is, uh, and as a vegan, of course, the ice cream is either uh, made of, you know, coconut base or almond or cashew or soy or a metaphor. That's certainly a thing as well. It's uh, no actual ice creams were harmed in the making of the podcast. But yeah. I discuss the uh, the with with my guests, often comedians, sometimes other types of artists or activists or authors or actors. It always starts with a comedian. Otherwise, um, it's uh, I talk to people about the works of their life and the joys of their life as represented by the metaphorical broccoli and ice cream. Also, uh, you know, I I do have a new podcast that I'm working on that right now is only a theme song. So I've created a new theme song. Uh, but I'm actually, later today, in two hours, uh, going to do a, a dry run or possibly a wet run. It's unclear. Uh, 
of of this new podcast, which is going to be called The Faucet, and then in parentheses, Mike Kaplan is The Faucet, just basically uh, inspired by my girlfriend, uh, who was like, you are good at talking, and you can just, I think you could just, you on your podcast, it's nice that you have your guests, and you ask them questions, and have these delightful conversations, these meaningful connections with others, but she's like, but you also could just, you don't need other people to talk to for a podcast to exist and I was like oh and so uh <laughs> this new podcast idea will uh, I'm saying it here this is I'm breaking the news to you so I better do it or else I'll seem the fool uh but the podcast will be called is called it's called it is called the faucet and it's uh it's me just uh, turn it on the tap and letting the old stream of universe go uh, as I don't know if I don't know if you know this about me, but sometimes uh, if somebody asks me a question or if nobody asks me a question, I talk for a while. So that's what the <laughs> the theme, the form and function of this podcast will be is to just delight in uh, the, the function is the form and the form is talking and the talker is me and the me is up. Oh, yep. That's it. We reached the end of it. It's me. <laughs> but thank you for asking. <laughs> I hope that comes out very soon because it sounds delightful. Mike, this has just been such an amazing experience having you on talking about Weird Al, hearing about your process and your comedy and your artwork i really appreciate it you are nice people and i it's such a what what a great you know like there's so many podcasts that like i used to have a podcast that it was just me talking to people you know and it was like that's fun to do and it's nice now that you know so many podcasts are becoming specialized that oh you know it's, it's not simply people talking in general but in specific and that you care about you know this human being and this this artist this art this music this beautiful presence in the world like so much and that you get to talk to people about you know who also care and uh, and get to share like all these you know it in a way, you know, be like, oh, it's another. So you're who? You, what are you talking about on this episode? What are you doing today, uh, Brain? The same thing we do every day, Pinky. Talk about Weird Al because we love him infinitely, and there's never we never run out. There's ne there's always more Weird Al to talk about. We're gonna try and make Weird Al take over the world. So it's it's been such a pleasure to be a part of it uh, because it's um it's a sincere love and delight that I feel in my heart for for him and for you. So uh, thank even you who I just met because uh, I love look the love that I have extends to everyone even <laughs> if I have never seen your face. Like I think <laughs> I bet I would I bet I'd like it. And so the faucet doesn't always have to keep going, but sometimes <laughs> you're like, oh we should we can turn it off now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much for having me is what i'm saying thank you so much to mike kaplan for coming on the show i'm so excited to check out his new album his new podcast his old podcast his old albums i'm so excited i love mike kaplan he is one of my all-time favorite comedians so as an extra bonus his brand new album aka just came out this month the first three listeners to send us a receipt or a screenshot of the receipt for picking up Mike's brand new album, we will send you a free sticker pack to a U.S. address. That is so cool. Not only do you get to pick up Mike's great new album, but you also get free stickers. How Woo! awesome is that? <laughs> <laughs> the best. 
<laughs> I want to expand a little bit on something that Mike said in his interview, and that is that Al is part of this very exclusive club. Artists who have top 40 Hot 100 hits in four consecutive decades. That's the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. And there are only five members in this exclusive club. Yeah, you may think, okay, you know, Kiss, Bruce Springsteen, Rolling Stones, Billy Joel, Aerosmith. Yeah, these are probably, you know, bands who've had hits all these years. But that's not the case. You know, this is surprising. You would think that if somebody said, who are the artists that have top 40 Hot 100 hits in four consecutive decades, you would think for sure it's got to be the Rolling Stones. Yeah, but it's got to be Aerosmith. It's got to be Billy Joel. But you know, it's really impressive. When you look at this list, that list is Michael Jackson, who, you know, Weird Al fans are going to be familiar with. Madonna, who uh, Weird Al fans are going to be familiar with her too. You too. <laughs> well, Weird Al fans definitely are familiar with it, them. And... Somebody who often gets mistaken for Weird Al, Kenny G. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, Weird Al himself is on the list. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, what's really kind of impressive is that Al has a really good chance of getting a top 40 Hot 100 hit in five consecutive decades. I mean, you know, some of these other artists, Michael Jackson, you know, it's kind of a, he's not obviously not recording anymore. So they may go through his back catalog and find something and it may become a top 40 hit. Madonna, U2, Kenny G, yeah, they got a chance. But Weird Al has, I think, the best chance out of all those artists to have a top 40 Hot 100 hit in this current decade. He's got... Nine and a half years to pull something out, and maybe that top secret project Susanna was talking about, maybe that will be another top 40 hit. You know what's even more impressive about this group of five is that up until 2017, it was only three people, Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Weird Al. You 2 did not join until 2017, and Kenny G did not join until last year. And for those of you who are curious, what are Weird Al's top 40 hits? Of course, in the 80s, it was Eat It, hit number 12 in 1984. In the 90s, it was My Favorite Song, Smells Like Nirvana, hit number 35 in 1992. And in the 2000s, Mike Kaplan's favorite song, White and Nerdy, hit number 9 in 2006. And then in 2010s, it was everyone's favorite song, Word Crimes, that hit number 39 in 2014. Just squeaked right in there, number 39 of the top 40. It's impressive that those four songs made it to top 40, but Al additionally has seven other songs that were top 100 hits. That is a great career. Definitely. So Mike mentioned during the interview, not only is he vegan, he appeared in a vegan magazine with Weird Al for a comedy vegan issue. And I'm thinking, next time Mike comes to town, I gotta bring him to... Burrito Burrito. This week's episode was brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed, including the one that you're going to buy for Mike next time he's in town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, each week we can bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito and Don Ferlazzo Allstate and, of course, our amazing Patreon supporters like Dave, JM, Scott, and so many more. Patreon helps us pay the bills and ensures that we can continue to do what we love, and that is making fun, family-friendly, entertaining Weird Al podcasts for you. 
please join us in thanking all of our supporters over on patreon.com slash 2000 inch for making this podcast possible. And please consider joining our Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Another way that you can support the podcast is by purchasing merchandise from the official Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. Head on over to shop.2000inch.com and you can pick up a great Gill and Chill beach towel as well as a Gill and Chillo and summer season's coming on up. Pick up your Gill and Chill tank top. Allison Parsons sent me a photo. She got a blue Gill and Chillo. It looks awesome. Now she wants to redecorate her whole room with Gill and Chillos. <laughs> we want to thank Mike Kaplan again, and of course, all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors, and a special thanks to everyone who follows at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to join our Facebook group by heading on over to group.2000inch.com if you have not already. And remember to tag fun, Al, and podcast-related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag gill and chill. Be sure to find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com and make sure every single time you share our posts, you tell your friends about the podcast, and we love it when you leave messages for us to play on the air on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline. It's 347-SPATULA. Come on, listeners, get those birthday wishes in for Ethan. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you already know how to find us, but make sure you hit the subscribe button over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. If you hit the subscribe button, you will not miss a single episode. You know what, Dave? I think all I really want for my birthday this year is a Gill and Chillo. Oh, well, um, well, Al and I were working on this top secret project for your birthday, but uh, I'll, I'll have him cancel it. I'll just get you a Gill and Chillo instead. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 56 Inch. These weren't psychic parodies, right?